Now that we're heading into the thick of the winter season, who couldn't use a warm cup of tea? What about a cup of tea seated on antique furniture? Our guest this week can offer you both. Hi, I'm George Bolarki, and this is Cityscape. Our guest is Honey Moon. She's the owner of both Brooklyn High Low, a new tea spot located in Prospect Heights, and One of a Find, a vintage shop that's just down the street from the tea room. Brooklyn High Low puts a New York twist on two classic English traditions, low tea and high tea. One of a Find offers vintage clothing and vintage home decor, as well as unique gifts. Honey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So the name Brooklyn High Low refers to the English traditions of low tea and high tea. Can you explain what low and high tea are? Um, So traditionally, people refer to the experience of having afternoon tea as a high tea. But through the research that I've done, the traditions of having afternoon tea for in like a leisurely setting was usually set at low tables. So when you come to my establishment, you'll see that most of our tables are probably the equivalent of like a coffee table height. And so we have low cozy chairs that almost swallow you up when you sit in them. Um, And then high tea, the actual tradition of high tea was more of a late afternoon meal for kind of like the working class who would come home and want to have more warm food, more filling food. So we kind of took the two names because I think there is a confusion and we kind of melded them together as one. How do you infuse Brooklyn in those traditions? Well, so I'm actually not from the UK, as you can tell by my my lack of an accent. I'm actually from San Francisco, California originally, but I have been in Brooklyn for 20 years. So I'd like to say with the amount of businesses I've had and the amount of children I've birthed here, I kind of figure I am now a Brooklynite. Um, so we kind of do a hodgepodge of elegance and what I like to call patinaed age. We respect uh, everything that's kind of old and Brooklyn. And so I am an antiques or a vintage collector. And so I have kind of decorated the tea room with everything that's a little bit old, some Brooklyn, some New York, um, some really from all over the place. But I feel that Brooklyn is kind of a mix match of old and new. And that's what we brought to this tea room. You also have a vintage store, which we'll talk about in a moment, but let's talk more about Brooklyn High Low, if you will. First of all, what inspired you to open a tea shop? Um, Well, you know, the old tradition of antique store owners was that they used to actually serve their customers tea in their establishments, in their stores. And I had once thought, oh, that would be really cute to do that in my store, Um, but I just kind of never put the effort into it. And then... I have uh, four children, I have three girls, and we used to, when they were little, celebrate a lot of our festive occasions, birthdays, um, by going to tea. And we would do the fancy hotels like the plaza, and I always liked the kind of ritual of tea. But myself, I'm not super fancy. I am more of a, a hometown kind of girl, and so I had thought, well, maybe I can mix my love of old and vintage and decorating and um, open up a new style tea room. I mean, there's a a place in San Francisco that I will um, pay homage to in everything that I do, which is, uh, it's called Lovejoys. 
And I used to take my kids there. I actually used to escape from my children when they were little um, to go to the tea room for a nice break in the day. And then as they got older and I felt that they could handle a teacup, um, we used to go there. And so it was always something on my bucket list. And I decided I would try in December before a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> yeah. And how have you managed all of that stuff? How have you managed in this pandemic? Um, we made some sacrifices. We've accepted some of what they call the new norm. Um, we did close down one of my other businesses in order to keep this one going because we had invested so much time and effort into it. And my husband was really supportive and said that, funny enough, when all of this is over or starts to kind of calm down, he believes that a tea room is something that a lot of people will will need just the kind of um self-care of sitting down with people you know and taking a moment out of the day and and you know catching up so that was um, a lot of inspiration for me to keep going so we shut down one of the businesses we kind of reworked everything um, we're a tea room we're not a restaurant so the 25 percent capacity while it was difficult it actually kind of fit with what we're doing because we're a very um, we're kind of a cozy, a cozy little room. It's not packed and we've got the social distancing like the city wants us to have. The, um, the one thing that came out of it is our, our, our tea room actually has a garden and we hadn't planned on using the garden. And now it's one of the things that most people love about the place because you kind of walk into the sitting room and you're taken aback about how cozy and comfortable it is. And then they feel like, oh, I'm going to go sit outside and it's outside dining and it's going to be cold. And But we've made it kind of sweet and quaint. And, and so we got an extra space, as you will. Now, you said that you're a tea room and not a restaurant, but can you get those finger foods that come with tea quite often? Oh, yes. So my business partner likes to tell me that I'm actually a restaurant owner and I am kind of refusing because I know that just seems so overwhelming for me and it was never something I thought I was going to do. But yes, we do um, a fixed menu of a triple plate tea tower, as you would typically think of when you see, see tea. Um, we serve them on a collection of vintage and antique plates that I have um, curated for everybody. Uh, you get sandwiches, you get the traditional scones, which we actually make in-house every day. It was one of the things we took the pandemic time to master. Um, it was something we were like, well, we have some time, so let's really work on our menu. So we came up with a scone recipe. We um, came up with some interesting sandwich flavors, which we change a lot. We have a nice dessert selection. Um, you get the traditional tea service, just what we call with a Brooklyn twist. Your motto is keeping it old in Brooklyn, right? Yes. <laughs> I think that I just like everything that's got I've got some age to it. I don't like anything that's perfect. I think that when something shows that it survived what we now call the highs and lows, um, it shows this kind of grit and it can still be elegant, um, but it doesn't have to be pretentious. What do you think that love of old comes from for you? Were you always like that? Um, I was raised by my mother to um, shop secondhand and recycle and upcycle. And we did a lot of vintage shopping back then. Um, it was not what I thought my career would be. I think when I was younger, I did, I got into fashion and then realized that so many people in fashion take inspiration from things that are old, which was what I really 
felt I was good at, um, being able to look at old designer pieces and respect them for their quality, um, different eras, different manufacturing times, you know, led to different types of, of quality. And so I find myself attracted to things that are, you know, antique and vintage. And so that you can see that in any of the projects that I do, that I, that I really try to focus on things, giving things a new life, really. Your vintage store is called One of a Find Vintage. It's located right down the street from Brooklyn High Low, right? Yes, I actually have, I had two. I had One of a Find Home and One of a Find Vintage. Now we are in the process of um, converting back to one store, kind of a, as you, a, a one-stop shop, um, which we will hopefully be calling One of a Find Brooklyn. So I would imagine the difference between One of a Find Vintage and One of a Find Home is that home is furniture and vintage is more than that. Is that right? So originally vintage was our clothing, jewelry, accessories store. And then um, I had come across so many great home items that we then decided we would open the home location. So yes, the home location originally was vintage furniture, vintage decor, lots of barware. Um, and then it kind of turned into a gift shop because I think a lot of people overlook the fact that vintage items can be given as gifts. And that also prolongs their, their existence and gives them new, new life. Where do you find the vintage items that you sell? Anywhere and everywhere. I used to tell people that um, with four kids, the minute I could get in my car and drive somewhere and take a small escape to go shopping, I would. We do a lot of estate sales. We do a lot of charity shops. We do, um, we do a lot of uh, people coming into the store directly to sell us their grandmother's items or... Um, funny enough, we did get a lot of people who were like, I have China. Would you like China? And at the time, I was like, it's unfortunate that nobody really sets their table with matching China sets anymore. You know, but fast forward to now, I'm kind of looking for teapots in China from people just to add to the tea room. People joke that I'm kind of a kind of a hoarder, kind of what you call a curated hoarder. So if, if something comes my way and it's beautiful, I'm just going to acquire it and I'm going to find something to do with it. And so the joke is that the tea room was because I needed a place to put all my fancy um, kind of grandma stuff. What have been among your more interesting finds over the years? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I once found something on the sidewalk in San Francisco that ended up being what was called a salesman sample stove. Um, it looked like a little tiny toy, like a child's toy, and, a, and it looked like a kitchen stove. And I think this was in the, oh gosh, this was in the early 90s. And I ended up, at the time I didn't have a store, I ended up selling it on eBay and learning that it was what was called a salesman sample, which was this heavy little cast iron stove that these poor salesmen would walk around to show to people to sell them the stoves that they would buy in their house. And it was a collectible piece that nobody knew what it was. And I kind of learned just through selling it online what, what it was. That's one of the best things is I learned so much from stuff, from, from an item, because you find it and it sparks curiosity. And then you go, what is this? And you research it. And that's, I feel like that's what I hope happens when people walk in my store in the tea room is they see so many things that it sparks curiosity or at least conversation. So they're here for a good 75 to 90 minutes. They, I'm sure they're going to have stuff to talk about and hopefully it's inspired by stuff in the, 
in the tea room. Yeah, that's the beauty about vintage items, right? All of these items tell a story and you can make that story up or sometimes you can even research that story and find out the real story behind those items. Yeah, and I hopefully people still have that curiosity to know about the old stuff. I feel like a lot of the times, um, you know, if you don't use it anymore, it's just kind of lost and it goes into, you know, the bin, which is unfortunate. It needs to be uh, used or given, you know, given new purpose. Yeah, we can tend to be a disposable society, right? Yes, very much so. Have people been coming in even in the midst of the pandemic looking for vintage? How have you been operating that shop during the pandemic? When we were allowed to open up the retail store, I think they had a, a maximum for my square footage of five people in the store at any one time. And because we're a boutique, that didn't seem to pose a problem. We we do a lot of cleaning, which we did anyways. Um, we keep we keep the space between um, the customers by kind of reminding them we offer hand sanitizer for everything. Um, people came in. I think at that point, I want to say we opened back up in September after being closed for, oh gosh, four or five months, um, they really wanted to just get out. And what happens in my store is people pick things up and the next thing you know, you're having a conversation with the person next to you about how their grandmother had that or their mother had that. And then the shop girls that, that work with me, they also know how to have conversations. So it's a very social thing to be in my store. And I think that was something that people kind of craved. Do you have a favorite era, honey? Oh, wow. Um, I don't. I think that I really am truly a mix and match kind of person. I do like a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, I can't even say that the furniture in my house comes from any one decade. I like it all. It's probably why I am, I am, I do what I do. I collect it all. What about clothing? Do you think it's important for people to work in secondhand clothing into their wardrobe? I think it's nice for people to, to consider it. I think especially nowadays, if people are watching um, their consumption of products, there is a lot of fast fashion out there. And while I have purchased pieces new for my children, I think that sometimes your wardrobe or an event warrants buying something a little um, older, something that maybe was made different. Um, it also feels good to know that you have something that has uh, stuck around and, and kind of paid its due to uh, the amount of labor it took to make it originally. It's, it's sad to see so many things that are made and used once and then discarded. You mentioned that your husband said that he believes that people will be craving that quiet tea time. Do you think that more people will also be craving vintage because there is something to be said about something that has stood the test of time? And the pandemic does make us all, or at least many of us, I know it does me, feel nostalgic. Yeah, I mean, I do sell nostalgia. It's what one of the signs in my store says. I think that there's a comfort that comes with nostalgia, whether it's nostalgia from food or a scent or an item or a memory that an item creates. I think that it does offer comfort. And right now, I think in a time that's so uncertain, people are looking for comfort in either certainty or familiarity. And I think that vintage kind of um, gives that to people. So I do hope that whether or not they go buy vintage, I hope that maybe they hold on to pieces in their house longer and don't, they're not so quick to replace them with something new. It helps the pocketbook as well. 
New York City, of course, over the years and continues to be used as a backdrop for television shows and movies. Do film or theater productions come to you to rent items? Yes, it was actually, it's it's very fun when, it hasn't happened recently because I think that industry may be on hold just like everyone else, but I have made many a friends uh, from set designers and stylists, people who kind of share that love of um, things that are old, be specifically because maybe they're doing a piece that is a time piece. Um, it has to touch a certain era. Um, I think that it's one of the things I look forward to when the when we get back to a sense of some sort of normal is to get back in touch with those people because they're artists. And I really do appreciate how they've taken what I love and my passion and they've made it into a career that um, that kind of supports vintage. Getting back to the tea shop, can you talk to us about the teas that you serve? What kind of teas do you have there? Um, our tea selection is pretty varied. I am not going to lie and say that I am a 100% expert. I think that there are people who go to school almost like sommeliers and they know so much about tea. For me, the tea room has been more about the atmosphere and the kind of ambiance that it creates and hopefully what uh, social environment it facilitates. But we do carry some of the traditional English teas, which I know a lot of people who come to tea rooms expect to be served, such as Tetley's, Yorkshire. We have some Irish teas that are berries. We do some loose leaf teas from local companies that do organic. Um, we do some green teas. We have some uh, black teas, green teas, oolongs, rubos. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I am learning. And when people come into the tea room, they sometimes look to me as if I'm an expert. And I say, just like in life, we're constantly learning and I'm constantly researching new teas. And, um, and I even ask people to make recommendations of things that they may have grown up with, because I do believe a lot of people have a memory of their grandparents serving them a tea. And so, and people from all over the world will give me different recommendations of teas they were served as, as children or as growing up. And I kind of take those in and hopefully we'll carry them someday. What are among the more popular teas people ask for? Um, right now, we do get a lot of people who just request Tetley's. Um, we do have a very popular flavor that is a green tea with a strawberry and almond flavor. Um, then we get uh, some people who are more adventurous and they go for the Colonial Bahia, which is a very smoky tea that we serve. It's, we almost um, refer to it like you would a scotch. It's a very smoky kind of peaty tea. So you get a lot of gentlemen who come in and feel somewhat out of place being served tea in a little tiny teacup. So we, we tend to recommend that one for them to kind of um, give them a new, a new smoky experience to tea. How important is the cup in which you drink the tea out of, do you think? Um, well, I guess it's more of just a preference on style. I mean, I do get people who ask for a larger cup because they want to consume more tea. Um, when you come into the tea room, your atmosphere is antique chairs, um, low-lying tables, mixed match tea tiers, and then we set you a mixed match teacup and tea saucer. But we have no problem if people want to get up and go to the wall and select their own teacup from, I think we have more than 200 teacups in the tea room. And they're all different and they're all kind of fun. We have some that are 
um, from 1950s Hawaii. We have some that are from the 1960s that are plaid. We have some that I'm sure are very, very old. And sometimes people say I shouldn't have them in circulation. But again, what is the benefit of having something old if you can't use it anymore? Do you also have those cute little tea cozies, those covers that go on the pots? I love those. So actually, we do have some in the store. And you would think in the cold weather that we use them. But we have actually opted for a more traditional tea pot warmer, which most people don't use. Most people know what a tea light is, the little tiny candles that you use in emergency or you throw them in a little tiny votive. Those are actually designed to be put in um, what is kind of like a glass pedestal and you place the tea light in the middle and then the teapot sits on top of the tea warmer. And so when we serve you a tea, we brew it, uh, most of our black teas are brewed about 212 degrees. So it's very hot and people are very particular about liking their tea to be served warm, especially now with outdoor dining. So we set one on the table so that people can place their teapot on top and it will keep it warm for their entire stay. That's so we great. opt for the tea warmers as opposed to the tea cozies. You mentioned, honey, that you're always learning, of course. What would you say are the greatest lessons that you've learned since opening this tea shop and since opening the vintage shop in Brooklyn? I have learned resilience definitely through the pandemic. I have um, stuck through a lot of self-doubt and uh, really just learned how to lean on other people um, in this for support. And I think that there is a lot to be said for when they say that we're all in this together. Um, I know business owners, I know, you know, homeowners, I, I've kind of met everybody through my, my, my businesses, and you can't do anything by yourself anymore. You kind of have to rely on other people. And I think that's a life lesson that's really hard for a lot of people to accept. Um, and other than that, I've learned to kind of enjoy company of other people because right now I think we're all starving for that a little bit. And while you and I are having a nice interview over, you know, over Zoom, I would have loved to have had you here to have a pot of tea and really share that kind of camaraderie of two people together. And I'm hoping that that is right around the corner. I am crossing my fingers that that is something that we can all look forward to pretty soon. Yeah, no question about that. I'm crossing my fingers as well. There's nothing like that in-person experience and sitting over a cup of tea and chatting over a cup of tea. When I was a kid, you referenced grandmothers and all of that, and you remind me that when I was a kid and my grandmother would take out tea, she would always say, take tea and see. And I had no idea what that meant. I thought it was something she made up. But then I looked it up recently, and there's a tea TV commercial, 1956, put out by the Tea Council to promote tea. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. There is so much history to tea. I mean, I did. I grew up, I grew up in the 90s. We're hanging out in coffee shops. And, you know, coffee was something that was big. I actually gave up coffee a few years ago because I felt that the, ups, the up and down of coffee was a little much for me. So I've been, like I said, I've been researching tea. I know that one of the things I learned recently was that in the UK, there are actually tea ladies. Tea ladies are the ones that push a tea cart around, usually in either hospitals or places of uh, people getting together, and they kind of serve tea as a comfort to people. And, and I like that. Um, tea is old. There is a lot of history to it. You can go on the internet and search 
anything about tea and learn something new every day like I am. That raises a question for me. Generationally, do you find that the people who come in are older or are you getting younger generations who are finding a appreciation for tea? I am getting everybody and I love it. I am actually getting groups of the younger generation coming in with their parents or their grandparents. And for me, that's some of the, the, the best conversation you can hear is this moment of sharing between generations. And while every generation thinks they're going through something new, um, it's kind of comforting to know that some of the people who have grown up before us or who have lived a bit of life before us have um, some wisdom to instill on us. And I get a lot of that in the tea shop. Um, I have young girls who come in to celebrate their birthdays. We get young people who are here to um, share kind of a friend date. I'm sure we've had some actual dates here. Um, I try not to eavesdrop. It is a small room and I try not to interrupt too often because people do get into deep conversations. But we've had a little bit of everybody, which has been really kind of inspiring for me that this is not something that is meant for any one person. It's meant for everybody. How long would you say the typical tea experience is? I mean, it is a leisurely experience, right? To sit down and take your time with it. What do you think? Well, it was funny when we opened up, we were fearful that people wouldn't come. And um, and then we, we had a nice uh, a nice base of customers kind of start coming in. And then we realized we've made the tea room so comfortable that people are sitting for hours. They want to sit for hours. And so we actually had to say, how do we make people comfortable, but then remind them that we actually have other guests that are coming in after them. So we um, created timed experiences. And while we don't like to really talk about that too much because we don't want people to feel rushed, the tea services that we offer, um, span anywhere from 75 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, and that's a pretty good amount of time. Uh, you can have a lot of conversation in 75 minutes. And when, within 90 minutes, you've usually eaten everything on your plate. Sometimes people are taking things home to go um, and they don't feel as rushed. And I think by that time, they kind of understand that, it, that the vacation is over and that it is time for them to join the rest of Brooklyn and escape the tea room. What is that new scone that you have developed in the pandemic? What flavor? We just did a traditional scone. I know that there are people out there who like raisins and the ones that like cranberries or lemon. There's coffee shops tend to serve really fancy scones. We did a classic scone. Um, the, the argument for scone lovers is whether or not scones should have an egg or not. Um, ours does not have an egg. The, it's a very fluffy risen scone. What's important is that you can pull it apart and it doesn't crumble too much. And then on top of that, we, we offer a lemon curd, a strawberry jam, or a double cream um, Devonshire, a Devonshire double cream. I think it's also referred to as a clotted cream. That sounds delightful. <laughs> no question, it sounds delightful. I can't wait to come in and try that for myself. Can you talk to me a little bit more about small business? And I know we've been talking about, you know, these are big challenges right now that small businesses are facing in New York City. What more do you think might need to happen? What are your concerns looking forward beyond the pandemic for shops like yours and, and others in Brooklyn and, and beyond Brooklyn and the five boroughs? I'm sure there is legislation out there that should be passed. I wish that I had had the time currently to read everything. I've just been so focused on, on kind of maintaining what I've got going that it's, it's very difficult. We do hope that there is some sort of 
um, support financially for small businesses, maybe in the way I know that there's something um, with restaurants that the sales tax that we we collect, they're hoping that they can turn that into a grant, which would uh, which would help small businesses as well. Um, I think really what we're just looking for is a, a bit of of a future to look forward to. Um, it's 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 difficult. I wish I was more. Um, able to give a plan, and if and and I'm a small business owner, I can't imagine what what the the government is trying to do. It's very difficult. I'm noticing the items behind you on the wall, honey. What am I looking at there? It looks like maybe a tray. I think maybe I see. Is that a teapot? I can't tell. Yes, you see an old antique teapot hanging on the wall. You see some serving trays. That's a Venetian of an antique Venetian wood tray. Um, we have a little bit of everything. You definitely see teacups, and um, I think somewhere in the tea room we have some old Campbell's soup dolls. We have a, a little bit of everything here. It really is hard for me to explain it. When you come in, um, it's it's enough eye candy for at least 10 or 15 minutes before you get your pot of tea, and then you, you, you talk about what you want to talk about with your friends. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm getting that comfy feel just by you showing me around with your camera there on your computer. It just, I feel more relaxed. It's a relaxing setting. That's what we hope. We hope to create um, a little escape for people to, to come and, and just be calm and just talk with friends and enjoy a moment. Well, here's a silly question to someone named Honey. Do you like honey in your tea? Um, no, I actually take my tea with milk and sugar. Well, Honey, thank you so much for your time. No problem, thanks for having me. For more information, follow both shops on Instagram at Brooklyn High Low and at One of a Find Brooklyn. That's the numeral one of a find Brooklyn. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to Cityscape on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to Cityscape on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at WFUV Cityscape to stay up to date between episodes. Thanks so much for listening.